Good evening and welcome once again to the digital campus of Newark United Pentecostal Church. As usual for our Saturday broadcast, I'm introducing a new topic for the week. But before I do, could we pray a moment? Lord, we come before you this evening facing many inconveniences. We're such a pampered people. I fear that we've taken your many blessings and used them to become soft and complacent. And we thank you for allowing us to be shaken so we can refocus on eternal verities. Help us tonight not to tune out as we begin this week of focus on a, a way to joy in your presence. As you made the deaf hear, open our ears to your word. And as you made the blind see, open our eyes to see not just the angelic army that surrounded Elisha, but the plan you have to lift us up about above our own personal shadows. Great God of Israel, as you did in the days of Nehemiah, become to us the God that made those rebuilding the wall to rejoice with great joy. Grant it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as you may know, our church focuses on four areas, worship, learn, serve, and pray or play. Now, worship, we can well understand from our in-person services and, and uh, what's available to us now from our playlist of songs and for these evening broadcasts. Learning is woven into our worship. Uh, in sermons, as well as discipleship classes and small group and big group gatherings. Uh, COVID-19 has, has really stymied some of our plans and our efforts to serve our church and our community. But some avenues are still available, just maybe not as obvious or organized as before. We can still help each other and those around us. The fourth focus of play came into the spotlight during a working retreat for the ministering team last December. So this week we are going to emphasize the fact that the Lord wants us to have a good time, to enjoy ourselves in his presence and with each other. There were three required festivals, or if you will, parties, each year in ancient Israel. Let's take a quick look at them. Uh, all three had at least a double reason for rejoicing. They were each tied to a phase in the harvest, which in a farming society like that one was, was when their hard labor through the year was rewarded, and that was in itself a reason, a very good reason to be joyful. First in their calendar was the Passover, and it was connected 
to the barley harvest, and obviously, if you know your scriptures, to the exodus from Egypt. Just 50 days later, Pentecost celebrated the wheat harvest, as well as the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. Then the Feast of Tabernacles was a festival celebrating the general harvest of the whole year and the anniversary of their uh, beginning of Israel's journey from Sinai toward the Promised Land. And the eighth day, this, this festival, this party, lasted eight days, and uh, the eighth day of this celebration seems to have been, as the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says, quote, a final day of rejoicing before the pilgrims returned to their homes, uh, in the quote. Besides these festivals requiring attendance, there were other national and local celebrations throughout the entire year. Israel seems to have spent a lot of time either celebrating or getting ready to celebrate. The Feast of Trumpets, the New Moon celebrations every month. Uh, every seventh year was a time of rest and all the fellowship that that made possible. Even the Day of Atonement, with its seriousness of the uh, major sacrifices that were done during that time, wound up with a sense of relief and joy from the fact that their sins had been rolled ahead another day. They found even in their deepest contemplation of their failures and their sins, before it was over, a reason to rejoice. And then all of this was capped by a time of rejoicing every 50 years known as the Jubilee. After the seventh year Sabbath, then they had another Sabbath, the 50th year, that was called the Jubilee. And, and now among us, that very name means a celebration. It seems like, this may come as a shock to some of you, but it seems like God likes a party. Will the marriage supper of the Lamb, I wonder, be the grandest party of them all? But how did they afford all this partying? Travel costs. And time away is unproductive in enterprise, no matter how restorative it might be to the psyche. Are you sitting down? I've uh, got a shocker for you. When God makes a requirement, he also makes a provision. Under the law, now did you notice that? We're talking about that 1500 year period under the law. God told them to take care of these party expenses with a tithe. Let me explain how I came to this conclusion with a, a little personal history. Back in 1970, I was 25 years old and starting planting a new church in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Among the questions that arose in that process had to do with tithing. It's not unusual. 
Someone had found Deuteronomy 14, 28 and 29. Let's read that from the New Living Translation. At the end of every third year, bring the entire tithe of that year's harvest and store it in the nearest town. Give it to the Levites who will receive no allotment of land among you, as well as to the foreigners living among you and the orphans and the widows in your towns so they can eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. And that finishes that quote. And as it's sometimes the case in reading this, someone uh, jumped to the confusion that the tithes should go to the poor rather than to the ministry. Uh, one even went so far as to ask, and I quote, what do you preachers do with all that extra tithe money, end quote. Well, now I've seen dollars from the United States and Canada, pesos from Mexico, rupees from India, sucres from Ecuador, Marks from Germany, guilders from the Netherlands, uh, shillings and pounds that they used to use in Great Britain, and of course, euros from the common market, even ruples ruple, from Russia, and yen and sen from countries in the Orient. But I've never seen extra from anywhere. You see, at the time that all this happened, the tithe income coming into the church, not counting mine, was $52.50 a month. The payment on the church mortgage was $50 a month. Then there was electricity, there was gas, water, and there was always, always something miscellaneous. For many years, I, I actually got no income for my labors in the church planning process. I worked a secular job to pay the bills. So years before I met Desi Lugo, I did a slow study of the subject of tithing, not from books that I couldn't afford, but from the book. From that study, I did a series of Bible studies and then expanded that into this book, The Lord's Portion. This is the one that uh, uh, Sister Emerosio referenced when she and her husband were our guests on Friday night with friends. It's The Lord's Portion, a scriptural study of tithing. And I found that under the law, again, under the law, there were actually three tithes. Now, tithe means a tenth, in case you didn't know that. When my book was first published 10 years after I wrote it, uh, I, I was roundly criticized for this idea that there was more than one tithe. 
But I've noticed in the 40 years since then that that concept and that idea is showing up in more and more books that are written on this subject. I, I guess it's just too bad that I didn't have the academic background to make this into a dissertation. The first tithe I call, as with the title of the book, The Lord's Portion, and it was on all increase and designated for the support of the Levites and the priesthood. This is evidently the successor of the tithe noted in the stories of Abraham and Jacob and mentioned in Matthew 23 by Jesus and alluded to in the writings of Paul. Now let me skip that second tithe a moment and go to the third one. That third tithe is one gathered every third year and made available not only to the, to the Levites, but the foreigners, the poor, especially the widows and fatherless. This is the one that folks often zero in on when they uh, have a problem with tithing. Uh, this is the one that seems to get people confused. And that's especially if they are in some way anti-clerical in their thinking. This third tithe was not on all increase and was only collected every third year. It was instituted under the law and not incorporated in the gospel. Care for the needy under our gospel system should be more than just a matter of calculation and timing for the child of God. Instead of looking every third year, we ought to be always looking and not limited to a particular portion of help. But it's the second tithe that I'd like to focus on in this session. Let's take a look at the instructions for this tithe, starting at Deuteronomy 14 and verse number 22. And I quote from, again, from the New Living Translation. You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship that became Jerusalem. The place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you always to fear, reverence, and honor the Lord your God. Uh, verse 24, now when the Lord your God blesses you with a good harvest, the place of worship he chooses for his name to be honored might be too far for you to bring the tithe. If so, you may sell the tithe portion of your crops and herds, put the money in a pouch, and go to the place the Lord your God has chosen. When you arrive, you may use the money to buy any kind of food you want, cattle, sheep, goats, wine, other alcoholic drink. Then, there, then feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and celebrate with your household. And do not neglect the Levites in your town, for they will receive no allotment of land among you. Now, for this session, I'm going to call this 
the party tithe. It too seems to have begun and ended under the law. But like the charity of the third tithe, there's a principle here that should be general among God's people in whatever time or land. This is telling us something. Do you have ears to hear? Let's examine this a little more closely than just reading it like I did. Verses 22 and 23 list the produce, both vegetable and animal, covered by this regulation. The first part of verse 23 gives direction for the transportation and use of this tithe. Pack it up, bring it to where the party is being held. When you get there, celebrate. But then verse 24, very interesting because it holds an implied promise that there will be times of such blessing that the party tithe volume will exceed the family's ability to transport it. That one-tenth of what they have harvested and is covered by this tithe will be too big, too much, too heavy, too bulky, too whatever to make the long journey or the short journey to Jerusalem. And so in that case, if it's too much, then they can sell that produce, take the money from it, carry that to Jerusalem, and when they get there, then they can buy whatever they want for their party time. So verse 25 gives specific directions then about what to do if we're too blessed to follow the instructions. Now, isn't that great? That's a marvelous problem to have. To be so blessed that even a tenth of it was too much to lug away. If the crops and herds produce too much to conveniently haul to the party, we're not to skip out and just stay home. Well, I can't get it all there. Neither are we to just take what we can conveniently carry and then do something else with the rest of it. This is a tithe. It is supposed to be used for what it's supposed to be used for. If the tithe is too much to carry, the Israelites would sell that portion, take the money to the festival, and according to verse 26, when it was party time, they could buy whatever they wished to feast upon. They were not limited to just what they had raised. The point was to have a good time. Verse 27 notes that the Levites are not to be excluded from the party. In Deuteronomy 12, 17 through 19, it deals with this tithe along with other festivals and instructs us not to to skip the party and stay home. It also directs that not only the immediate family, but also the servants, along with the Levites, are to be included in the festivities. Deuteronomy 26 and 11 expands the guidelines to include not only the general household and Levites, but also the stranger that is among you. In other words, everybody needs to be included in the party. If somebody can't afford it, they still can come and 
kind of like a potluck. You can, you can enjoy the time, you can enjoy the food, the refreshment, whether you have a crop or not. In giving out these party invitations, God repeatedly, once in Leviticus and eight times in Deuteronomy, told the people to rejoice. That means to, to be blithe, to gleesome, to have fun, have a good time, be joyful. Not just go through the motions, but he's talking about, about not motions, but emotions that we lay aside our troubles and we have a good time. So from the pages of the Old Testament, we find our personal invitation to party. No, we're not setting aside a second tithe today. But the principle of planning to be at the gathering and enjoying ourselves is clearly in the mind of God. He's uh, not a dour, have no fun God. He planned parties all year long. We can generally find funds for whatever we really want. Our parties are not all that expensive, a, a covered dish, a few bottles of soda. Whether I eat as much as I bring is irrelevant. I have a good time. Get ready, make the preparations, and have a good time. Don't be like the little boy I once saw at an amusement park. No matter what ride he was on, he was determined not to enjoy it. God encouraged, even commanded, a party attitude. That's one commandment that it should be easy to obey. Our small groups, especially now the, the Community Connect sessions, can be and often are punctuated with laughter. We come prepared to enjoy each other's company. Our puppet week, do you remember that? Was not intended to be glum. We had fun with it. I hope you did. If we had just had an owl puppet, it would have been a real hoot. It's not to the glory of God for his people to live as though they were repeatedly and routinely baptized in pickled juice. Now the rest of the week, we will be examining various festivals to find ways that we can get in sync with the party that God is throwing. Don't miss this one. All the fun people are going to be there. And it is going to be big. Prepare for it. That's your assignment for engagement this week. Prepare not only financially, but mentally, emotionally. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to be ready to enjoy what God has made available. Take time to prepare for the party. And we'll see you again.